Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Uh, it's so easy for us to forget about what love is all about and how it's expressed. So easy for us to live our lives and just go along in a humdrum way every day, just kind of filling in and doing what we think we're supposed to. I have a question for each one of us this morning. I won't say for each of you, I'll say for each one of us. What are your expectations this morning? Why are you here? Carrie Ann, just think about it. Jeff, just read about it. The choir has sung about it. We've sung about it. About God's gift of love and the hope that can change our lives forever. Did you come this morning with that expectation in your heart? That God would change you. That God would take your life and make it different than it was before you came. I think when Simeon got up that morning that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to be circumcised at the temple, I think he did the same thing he had done for years and years and years. He went there with expectations of what God was going to do in his life and through his life. We are each called to evaluate how we stand in understanding what God expects of us. We'll see in Simeon's life some of those expectations lived out. Please join with me in prayer one more time. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here. The gathered body, the church, that is Grace Baptist Church, Father, but it's Christ Church. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to listen to what your word says to us about what our lives are to be. And we thank you for the examples that you've given us of believers who have over the years and generations and centuries, Father, lived their lives in such a way that they're a living testimony of what that relationship is all about. And help our lives to be changed and fulfilled in you for we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I have a question for all the grandparents who are here this morning. When you call your grandchildren up and begin to talk to them, what is one of the first questions that you'll ask them if you haven't seen them since Christmas morning? Usually happens in our lives. What did you get? What'd you get for Christmas? Has anybody asked you that question today? That's the message we see lived out in Simeon's life. Because Simeon, got, he got everything fulfilled that he had been waiting for in his whole life. He saw something, he handled something, he touched something, and he lifted something up high before him that he had anticipated for years and years and years. And that was God's fulfillment of his promise in Simeon's life. 
That passage that Jeff shared with us just a moment ago helps me to understand better kind of how I deal with the things at Christmas time, all the things that are going on, all the things that happen. Sometimes in our lives, we have great expectations for what things are going to be like. And we anticipate that the family get-together is going to be one grand experience and things don't quite work out there. Maybe you had something that you were really longing for, something that you wanted and you had prayed about it maybe and thought about it and you expected to get that for Christmas and then it wasn't there. Maybe it was the food. Uh, the problem that we had was the overabundance of food the last several days. But the message is maybe that's not what you wanted. Maybe it left you in such a way that you think, well, my pants don't quite fit this morning, nor does my shirt, or even my shoes are a little tight. And we wonder, what is all this about? Is that what Christmas, is this what Christmas is all about? Simeon shows us that that was not the case in his life. You see that in those first verses that, that Jeff shared with us just a moment ago. If you have your Bibles open again, look to Luke 2, verse 25 and 26. Now there was a man named in Jerusalem called Simeon. So we know who he is. He's not Simon. He's not Peter. But we learned a little bit more about him other than his name. Look at that. He was what kind of man? A righteous man. It's interesting when you look at that word, the Greek word has a meaning to it that's easy for us to overlook. And that word is basically that someone is not, listen to this, this is what's amazing to me, someone is not prejudiced. Someone is not, this person, this righteous person has an open heart. This person is someone who understands what it means not to look at people for what they can do for you, but what you can do for them. That's the meaning of what righteousness is all about, and I want you to think about that this morning in your life, and I need to do the same thing in my life. Do I have the righteousness of God living in me? Do we understand what it means to be righteous in God's eyes? Because he is no respecter of persons. He doesn't look at one of us and say, you're great. And another one and say, you know what, there's no way I'm going to have anything to do with you. God desires that each of us would understand that. I believe Simeon had that attitude of a welcoming nature. And that nature came from his time with God. In the time that he spent in God's Word, in the time that he understood God's message for him and what he was to be about, that there was going to come a day where God was going to give him that gift that he had anticipated for so long, and that would be the day when he held the Savior in his hands. And when Jesus walked into that temple, excuse me, he didn't walk, when Jesus was carried into that temple, I don't think Simeon took two steps before he grabbed that baby Mothers, you love this, don't you? Some strange man that you've never seen before comes up and snatches your baby out of your hand. Simeon demonstrated what his hope was. And his hope was in the righteousness of God living in human form in this baby that God had sent. A gift that God shared with not only Simeon, but all those who were waiting, and that's some of the other rest of the story about what Simeon's life was all about. 
The righteousness that is ours is not anything that we have on our own. It comes to us from God alone. Leviticus chapter 11, 45. Listen to this. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy as I am holy. What are God's expectations of us this morning? What is it that God expects of each one of us who are in this room? He expects for us to be holy as he is holy. There's a problem with that. We're not. There's a list of scriptures, three of them we're going to look at. Look at Ezekiel 18, 4. Write that one down if you can. It's a good one. The soul who sins is one who will die. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23. For the rages of sin is death. According to God's word, we're in trouble. Because none of us is righteous. There's not one of us. If you were in Sunday school, I thought about that as Rodney was teaching this morning in the class that Karen and I were in. There's not any of us in here that deserve anything. There's nothing about us that is good. There's nothing about us that makes us able to come to God. But what God is doing in his love and in his compassion and in his mercy is continually reaching out to us trying to help us to understand the love he has for us. That was the message that Carrie Ann just sh shared with us in song just a minute ago, that that name is an overwhelming name because it speaks to us of what it means. Yeshua, God's presence is there, God's love, God Emmanuel, God with us, that we have a God that cares about us, not a God that we have to placate, not a God that we have to do things for, but a God that has done something, <clears throat> God that's done something for us. Y'all forgive me just a second. Thank you, Karen. But it's not only Simeon's righteousness that helps us to understand who he is. He's also a devoted man. We can't come to God because we're righteous. Maybe it's a matter of devotion. That word means to take hold of in the Greek. That's what devotion is. But I want you to think about that. When you think about what that word means, when you're teaching, what you're looking for is you're looking for your teachers, excuse me, for your students to grasp what it is you're sharing with them. Angela, what were you waiting for when you were teaching those kids for all those years? Karen, it's the same thing. What you're looking for is that the aha uh, uh, uh -huh moment, right? You know that, don't you? That you finally, you finally get it, all right? See that grasp? You finally understand what this is all about. I believe that is a gift that comes only one way, through God's Holy Spirit enlightening us and opening our hearts to his love that we understand. And we finally go, oh, I get it. I grasp it. It's mine. It's not what I've done for God. It's all about what God has done for me. And Simeon brings all this to that situation. He brings his righteousness. He brings his devotion 
He also brings in his life <clears throat> that action that is his. What is it he looks for? <coughs> Excuse me, please. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In verse 25, do you see it there? There's a day in Simeon's life, in the life of the children of Israel at this time, they thought that wasn't going to happen. They thought that the Messiah would never come. It couldn't get any worse for them than it was. And it may be you're here this morning, and you woke up this morning, and you thought it can't get any worse than this. The unfortunate thing in our lives is, you know what? It can, and it does often. But it's that despair that can overwhelm us. Simeon was never overcome with that attitude or that kind of relationship with God because he understood that God kept his promises and that God had promised him this. But he had not only promised him, he had promised Abraham. He had promised, <clears throat> excuse me, please. He had promised countless of others of his tribe of Israel, of Judah, the promise of what God was going to do, the message that God was going to share with them through this individual, the Messiah, who would come and be a part of that. And in this process, what I think Simeon finally figured out, it was not his devotion or his righteousness. It was not his hope or his expectation that made the difference. It was all about God's hope, God's expectations, God's presence in his life that made the difference in his life. And that is what we see in Simeon, a man who is anticipating great things from God and in God in his life. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ. And what does he do? He's holding that baby. We're going to read that in just a second. He is holding the Savior of the world the Savior of his life, the Savior of his people in his hands. It may be you're here this morning and you don't understand anything about what I've said, but I want you to understand this one thing. What we finally figure out in our lives is that when we're trying to get to God the best we can, hard as we can, and doing everything we can, hopefully there's a day that comes in our lives when we realize that all the time that we've spent reaching out for him, he's been waiting to pick us up and to claim us as his own, that we would know his embrace, that we would know the assurance of his love, that we would understand God's presence in our lives. That's what brings to us the righteousness is ours. Our righteousness, Jesus says, is what? Is filthy rags. The message behind that is there's nothing that we can do, there's nothing that we can say that will ever make things right with us <coughs> other than our relationship with Jesus. <coughs> One more time. Christmas is about expectations. Simeon's expectations were also realized. Look at uh, verses 27 through 32 with me, please, if you would. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do to him what was custom of the law required, and we know what that was, Simeon took him by his arms 
and praise God, saying, Sovereign Lord, <coughs> as you have promised, <coughs> you now dismissed your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. God made a promise, and he wanted the world to know. And God had worked very hard to be sure that the world knew about that. At Christmas time, what do you do with the gifts that you share with those family members that are with you? Do you spend time wrapping them? I bet you I spent five hours wrapping all the gifts I gave Karen uh, the day before Christmas. I'm not very good at wrapping. Took me forever to do it. Karen and Karen's sister Donna and her husband Jeff are with us this morning. See if Donna, I'm going to find out whether Karen's been telling this story truly or not. But actually I saw this lived out. When the girls were still living at home, Karen, Donna, and their younger sister Carol gave Henry, their dad, a wheelbarrow for Christmas. And they didn't want him to know it was a wheelbarrow. So, so far so good, Donna? Okay. Uh, so what they did was they got two long skinny boxes, not necessarily the same box, but two long boxes. Where do you think they put them? On the handles of the wheelbarrow. Then they had a smaller square box. Where do you think they used that? They used that on the wheel. Then they had boxes for the triangular part that supported the wheelbarrow. And then they got a larger box and did that on the bed of the wheelbarrow. And I saw that. And it didn't look like a wheelbarrow. It looked like multiple boxes. Why do we do that? Why did I lock myself in that front bedroom for five hours wrapping those two gifts? Because it was the surprise, right? It was that nature of this gift. I don't want Karen to know about it. I don't want Karen to know what it is. Have you ever put a brick in something that was real heavy? I'm looking at the guys now to be sure to try to fool somebody thinking it was something different, all right? Why do we do that? I think we do that because we think this is such a special gift that's coming from us. This person's really going to love this. This person's going to think this is the greatest thing. So why do we spend all this time trying to hide it? God's Word tells us something about what Simeon did. Simeon couldn't wait to see that. He couldn't wait to experience the gift that God was sharing with him. God has done this throughout his time with the children of Israel. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Emmanuel. Luke 2, 12, he shared this message with the shepherds. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. He shared the information with the wise men who were not even Jews. When they reached Jerusalem, they asked the leaders there a pretty simple question. Where is the one that's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Jesus shared this message clearly in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might have life. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love the darkness instead of the light because of their evil deeds. There's a message that God has for us, and he's not hiding it. But we do. Oh, I can't do that. You know what? I'm just not very good at sharing my faith with. I, politics and religion, I try to stay away from those things. I don't deal with that. I can't tell somebody about what a relationship with Christ is all about. My answer and God's Word's answer to each of those is, yes, you can. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you can do this one thing. This was my life before Christ. This is my life after Christ. That is your personal testimony. And that testimony is fulfilled through the truth of God's Word in your life. And what God has done through you and how he has shown you grace and mercy and forgiveness because of that love, because of that compassion, because of that righteousness that is his. Because he doesn't look at each of us and say, there's a sinner. He looks at all of us and says, you're all sinners, but I love you. That's John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God seeks to have us take that message of love and make it a part of us. That ought to be, <coughs> pardon me, please. That ought to be the message that we live every day of our lives, that Jesus Christ is love. Paul wrote this message to Timothy, trying to encourage him in 2 Timothy 1:26. A message about what it meant for him to know that God's love was a part of who he was. For I know whom I have believed. We can sing that, couldn't we, Robert? And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I entrusted to him, committed to him, until that day. Paul understood what it mean, meant to give back to God what God had given to him. And that was his whole life. Everything that he had, everything that he was, Paul said, here it is, God, I give it back to you because you've given me everything I have. God calls us to recognize in our lives <clears throat> that we have responded to the love that he shared with us. And finally, it's about proclamation. Look at verses 33 through 35 in Luke 2. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Moms, how would you like to hear this in the hospital? This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of any in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts, excuse me, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. 
When most of us think of Christmas, I think we think of warm fuzzies. Pardon me. Watch it, Nick. Or no, I want to. I got to do this. All right. Who's got the sound? We think of babies. We think of a young mother. We think of lambs. Are you with me? The 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 whole thing. That's where we are. But it's not about that. There's a sign. There's a sign that Simeon sees. And that sign that God shows to Simeon is that Christmas is all about a choice that we make. A choice that each of us have to and will make in our lives at some point in time. We have an opportunity to take that gift that God has given us and to accept it as our own or we reject it. That's the gift that offers life eternal. That's the gift that can change our hearts. That's the gift that God seeks to share with us that he's given us through Bethlehem and who has its fulfillment not in the crucifixion but in the resurrection. That is the hope of what it meant to understand the nature of the Messiah has control over the whole world. What does John say in his gospel? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the world was God. And everything that was created was created by Him. This is the creator of the universe that we're called to worship. It's the creator of the universe that seeks to have a part of our lives and be a part of our very nature and who we are. And He desires to share that with us, that the world would see His light shining through us, that the world might know that Christ is more than some name that we use. Jesus is more than a person that we know, but he is the Savior of our lives. Isaiah 28, 16 tells us something about that choice. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a pure foundation, sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. The message that, that we see in Isaiah's passage, remember this, written 700 years before Jesus was even born, is a message about what choices are about. Jesus is one of two things for each of us who are here today and any of us that are listening sometime afterwards. He is either that cornerstone of our life or he is a stumbling stone that we trip over. That's gone on since the foundations of the earth were laid. And it began with two people, didn't it? Did Adam and Eve understand what God's rules were? Did Adam and Eve understand what it meant for God to say, do this, don't do this? This is why I put you here. What did they choose to do? They chose to do the very same thing that each of us do in our lives every day, if we're not careful. Believers and non-believers, we choose to make our decisions to do things the way that we want them to because we sit on the throne, not Christ. God calls us to recognize what it means to yield our lives. And that is the profession, that's the proclamation that Simeon is making. And he does it to the woman that has just born this child and talks about who he is, what he'll do, and how he will live and give his life. But Mary knew it all. 
Mary already knew who the child was. Mary knew the message that God had shared with her of what Jesus was to be. He was to be the Redeemer, the salvation of Israel. And in that light, she understood, I think, clearly, clearly what it meant to know the gift that God had given her. This morning, the question is, do you know that gift? Are you willing to proclaim it as Simeon did? Because God's Word tells us he took the baby by the arms and he held him up. It's hard to ignore that in a crowd. It's hard to miss the purpose of that when we understand what he was doing. Simeon was saying, this is the one I've been waiting my whole life to see. And God has promised me that I would see him before I died. And I have seen him, and he is my salvation, and he is my life. There is no such thing as a closet Christian. There is no such thing as a person that says, you know what? I think I've made my way because I've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'll never share him with anyone. He's all mine because it's very personal for me. If it's so personal for us, why aren't we sharing it? Why do we invite family members to our homes? Why do we send Christmas cards that talk about peace on earth, goodwill to men? Why do we give gifts? We forget why we do what we do. When all along, it's God's desire for us to see in our lives the expectations he has for us. Christmas Eve, I'm looking. I see one. There he is right there. Uh-huh. I'm looking at you, Skylar. Skylar talked about that relationship as he read from the book of Isaiah, a message of God sending the light into the world, but the world didn't understand it because the world would rather live in darkness. Look in your life this morning. Are you overwhelmed by despair and the darkness that would overcome you? Remember the light that has come. And that light is the Lord Jesus coming into our lives and changing us forever because of his love for us. Please join with me in prayer. Father, <clears throat> next week, we'll take a look at what it means for us to examine our hearts. But there's a call for us to do it right now. That each one of us in this room would examine our lives and see if there's ever been a time in our lives where we said, God, I recognize the sin that's in my heart. I know the darkness that is there. And I've worked real hard to try to get rid of it, but there's nothing I can seem to do to get rid of those things, those thoughts, those things I've done. I could never be forgiven for them. But your word tells me that you can do that. And I come to you right now, Father, asking you to change my life and that my expectations would be the same as Simeon's, that your righteousness would be my righteousness, that your devotion would be my devotion,
that the fulfillment of the promise of the Savior would have its completeness in my heart this morning. And I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And take him, Father, as both. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, what you've done is you've asked Jesus to come into your heart. And you've turned your eyes to him and you've asked God to change you through him. Father, for many of us are in this room. Father, we've said those words. We've gone through that process years and years ago. But it's so easy for us to forget what the real expectation is. And the expectation is that your heart would be our heart. Where our hearts beat, your heart would live. And that you would change our hearts and our lives, Father, and help us to share that message faithfully with the people of Evansville, with our family, with our neighbors, with our co-workers, with everyone we see, that the world would know that Jesus is Lord. For we are following you. And in following your will for our lives, Father, we've given them completely to you. For we ask these things in Christ's name this morning. Amen. Contact us. All of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.